0: The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading.
1: Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
0: And thank you for joining us here today on Market Talk as we broadcast live once again from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas, with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. Wrap it up, Commodity Classic on a Friday. And we got a great show lined up for you here today as we're going to be focusing in on sustainable aviation fuel. We did get some news on that front from Ag Secretary Tom Bilsack on Friday morning here at Commodity Classic during the general session as uh, they said that they are going to be pushing the decision on the greet model down the road a few weeks. So we're waiting for some final decisions there, and so that's something we're going to watch. But in the meantime, here today on the show, we're going to learn more about the benefits that could come from sustainable aviation fuel here and how it could benefit the corn industry and more. So that is gonna be the focus of our program today. We're also going to talk markets later in the show. Ted Seifried with Zainer AgCad, is going to slide in here and join us for a conversation. Right now, joining me, though, on the program first here with me in Houston, Sarah McKay with the National Corn Growers Association. Sarah, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: And also joining us on a remote location. She couldn't make it here to Houston, Texas. Krista Swanson with the National Corn Growers Association is with us as well. Krista, thanks for being with us here today on the show. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, let's just start a brief overview of sustainable aviation fuel and recent, uh, you know, increased interest by corporate airlines and and the public. There's a lot of talk, a lot of excitement around SAF. So maybe Sarah go ahead and start and kind of give us that, that thousand foot view of where we're at right now.
2: Sure thing. So when we talk about SAF, that's sustainable aviation fuel. So another um, acronym to add to the alphabet soup there. But when we talk about sustainable aviation fuel for agriculture, there's a lot of different pathways that we can um, pursue to make aviation fuel in that sector more sustainable and reduce their greenhouse gas emissions and their their con- contribution to, to, to the environment. And so we at National Corn Growers are excited about the opportunity for corn and corn ethanol to be used as one of the many pathways um, to achieve sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, You know, it's one of those where it's another huge market uh, opportunity for us when we look at our new uses portfolio. Obviously, traditionally our demand portfolio has been across ethanol and the fuel sector, um, as well as our animal agriculture partners continue to remain our top uh, consumers of corn. And then you have, of course, trade and, and industrial uses. So all those are incredibly important, but we're always trying to grind more corn and get in, and take advantage of uh, getting that that pile whittled little down and our growers are becoming more and more efficient at what they do and producing more with less. And that will help these airlines meet their their goals when it comes to sustainable aviation fuel. And we want to mm-hmm. be part of that solution.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, and I think uh, Krista as well, you know, just where corn is positioned and corn ethanol right now to be competitive when meeting some of these goals and demands of uh, what's in front of us for SAF. I feel like corn's in a very good spot right now. Can you talk about that from an economist standpoint?
3: Yeah. So corn is definitely positioned to be able to meet the demands of, of, uh, of those goals set for sustainable aviation fuel. I mean, first of all, we have an abundance of corn. Sarah was really just touching on this when we think about the ability of our farmers to continuously produce more with less. We just came off of 2023 with a record production and we have you know, plenty of ending stocks available uh, right now as we head into next year and the outlook for the 24, a uh, crop is that we can continue to have uh, that ability to meet the that need uh, also uh corn is an affordable feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel uh, currently uh, the average corn price for corn for 2023 is is estimated to be at $4 and 80 cents. Uh, the average price for 2024 is $4.40. And we think about where that compares with where corn was a couple years ago. Uh, You know, that's certainly makes it uh, affordable at this point in time. And uh, again, abundant and affordable. Uh, I'll also note that corn, we can produce corn sustainably. uh, And corn has the ability to be Uh, you know sequester carbon from the atmosphere and responsibly store it back in the earth so we have we have all these components uh making corn well positioned
0: well and i know too a lot of things that ncga is working on in this arena i know we're going to be talking about that throughout the show i mean sarah you guys have really kind of taken a a proactive approach here i feel like to you know getting the Corn industry set up for its role in SAF.
2: Yeah, we really want to position corn and specifically corn ethanol as that feedstock of choice. You know, something that's commercially available, um, you know, abundant. Krista touched on it: abundant, affordable, sustainable. That's also important when it comes to these feedstocks that need to be able to scale up quickly and meet these huge demands. You know, the the grand challenge, the grand aviation challenge that the White House put out. They're they're requesting three billion, you know, bushels by. Or sorry, three billion gallons of SAF per year by 2030. That's a huge demand opportunity, and um, you know, if the right policy is set up, and if we get the GREAT model right, and if we get the uh, infrastructure in place, and and the carbon intensity scores, you know, where we can can help. Um, achieve those goals there's a huge huge market opportunity there we just need all the all the components to to get and get into place
0: definitely well and uh, krista you were kind of talking about this as well just with some of the different factors on the economics of this obviously you have to think if we can get situated in the right place at the end of the day that's just going to be better for the producers bottom line with, with better you know, average prices on the commodity side, you know, on the futures board, things like that. There's there's just a lot of opportunity in front of us, isn't there?
3: Yeah, and that's certainly that something that the farmers in desperate need of right now as well. I mean, as we think about... Um, you know, the cost side of things for the farmer. I talked about those price uh, where, where prices are at for farmers right now, but uh, those prices are are below the, the average cost of production. And so certainly you know a new demand source of this nature would be really important for for the farmers and and really critical at the farm level.
0: Well, and of course, that demand is very, very important and finding some of those new uses and Sarah, we've talked about this a lot, that economic sustainability of corn, That's what a lot of this is about, right?
2: Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, one of the realities that we try to make sure the aviation industry and the airlines that we're partnering with and working with, that they understand that you know, corn and specifically corn ethanol and that alcohol to jet pathway, you know, soys already has a lot of great progress in this space um, and and there's other efforts in the SAF area, but, you know, leveraging what's commercially available now will help them achieve their goals sooner and provide that economic sustainability in addition to the environmental sustainability across the board.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, we're going to talk more. I know we want to look at some of the, you know, the existing infrastructure that's out there. How can we produce SAF on a a larger scale we want to talk more about the demand side of the equation here and we're going to continue that conversation coming up after the break as we continue here on Market Talk we are talking today with Sarah McKay and Krista Swanson with the National Corn Growers Association we are live at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas in the NCGA booth on the third floor of the trade show 7405 we'll be back with more here on Market Talk on the way right after the break
4: Heading to Commodity Classic, stop by the National Corn Growers Association booth 7405 for some great live radio. Host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting market talk from 2 to 3. Thursday, they'll be discussing how U.S. Meat Export Federation, U.S. Poultry and Egg Export Council, U.S. Grains Council, and the National Corn Growers Association work together to competitively position American product as the premier choice. On Friday, they explore new market opportunities for corn growers like sustainable
1: aviation fuel.
0: When news happens in agriculture or when the markets are moving, we've got you covered as your trusted voice in agriculture. The team at the American Ag Network has the knowledge and experience to keep you informed on the issues impacting farmers and ranchers. We've got you covered on air, online, and on demand. Find the American Ag Network on your favorite social media platforms and also follow the American Ag Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are the American Ag Network.
1: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
4: Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts.
1: keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen.
0: And welcome back to Market Talk from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. We are talking sustainable aviation fuel with the National Corn Growers Association. Sarah McKay, Krista Swanson with us here today on the show. And Sarah, uh, let's talk about kind of set this up, I know there's a few different pathways here to get to some of these goals that are out there from the administration when it comes to SAF. So talk about that a little bit for us if you can.
2: Sure, there are very various different pathways. You know, when we talk about getting to SAF or sustainable aviation fuel, you can leverage the, the oil pathway, you can leverage the um, alcohol to jet pathway, which is the, mo- the one that we're most excited about from a corn perspective, because we can leverage existing infrastructure in the ethanol space to achieve this. and and utilize corn and corn ethanol for that process. There are other pathways as well. And and as we've been working with the different airlines, and and I'm sure growers listening are familiar too with some of the headlines on uh, Southwest uh, partnering with Sapphire on some of their cellulosic work. They most recently introduced um, a partnership with LanzaJet that's using um, methane from from landfills and, and going that route. So there's all these different pathways. And I think that's the beauty of SAF is that it isn't going to take just one pathway or one feedstock to achieve it. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of different um feedstocks from the agricultural sector to make this happen. So it's not one feedstock necessarily competing against another. What we try to hone in on is, is the importance of utilizing what's commercially available now, i.e. corn ethanol is one of those pathways moving forward.
0: And it's kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats, exactly. so to speak, here in agriculture. Well, and Krista, I think that speaks to, you know, some of those demand pieces of the puzzle here and creating that new demand for not just corn to sarah's point but all of our different commodities here and all the different pathways that we have for sustainable aviation fuel i mean i think some of that diversification you could talk about that is is pretty important especially as some of our our traditional trade partners and dynamics kind of shift around here in recent years right
3: yeah there's really been a lot of shifting in in demand and and some of our traditional trade partners really going back to about two thousand and seventeen uh, a lot of a lot of changes every year in that time um, since since the initial uh, trade war of, of that time. And I think it yeah really highlights the importance of, um, I guess another point for corn specifically is in that time, we continued to see Brazil grow and become, uh, you know, a bigger competitor in the world market in terms of corn and they already are for soybeans. Um, and it just really shows the importance of, of having diversified demand, uh, you know different demand sources, and and some of that. If we can if we can have more demand domestically, uh, and using ethanol to jet and and corn in that pathway to sustainable aviation fuel, then you know that's better for our industry. It's better for the other commodities as well.
0: Definitely. Well, and thinking about from an infrastructure standpoint, let's talk about some of that here in the U.S. Like, what are some of the current? you know, infrastructure pieces that we can use to help us to achieve some of these SAF goals?
2: Really leveraging, you know, what the infrastructure that already exists in the ethanol space will, will be one way. There will need to be additional infrastructure, you know, built to meet that capacity. And, you know, one of our partners we work with in the space is the the Airlines for America, and they estimate about a 98% um, uh, compound annual growth rate to from the current SAF volume to meet, um, to meet the actual needs for that grand challenge, 3 billion gallon goal.
0: Definitely. Uh, and, and I think about some of the different, uh, you know, infrastructure things we have out there too. Krista, I mean, from a, you know, we've seen some of the challenges with, with trading partners right now in terms of, you know, the issues with wars and, and problems there and low water levels and things like that. But, you know, here at home, getting to, getting corn to where it needs to be for some of these different, you know, sustainable aviation fuel plants, et cetera. I think rail truck, our waterway system, you know, from that perspective, we have a lot of that traditional infrastructure already in place, don't we?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of infrastructure already in place. And like Sarah mentioned, you know, we already have ethanol, a a, a very expansive ethanol infrastructure. And if we can, uh, you know, take advantage of that ethanol to jet pathway. I mean, the other important point here is that the ethanol industry is already not running at full capacity at this time. So we can take advantage of that idled infrastructure and we can ramp up production at. You know, in those ethanol plants that are already there to meet the goals of 2030 and beyond. And on that note, we also have, Sarah talked about the importance of diversified feedstocks to meet SAF demand and certainly going forward, that's gonna be important. But when I look at that 2030 goal of 3 billion gallons and back into how much corn would it take to meet that if we could do that today? And that comes out to about 1.6 billion bushels of corn and as a reminder, we, we have an estimated carryout this year of, uh, uh, you know, over 2 billion bushels. And so mm-hmm. when we think about that, you know, we have the corn, we have the ethanol infrastructure. Um, and so it's just really important that we, you know, um, have policy that supports this to make these goals happen.
0: Well, and I think, too, it, part of it's going to come down to that food versus fuel debate too that we've kind of seen and heard here throughout agriculture and I know that's something that's right in here in the essay of conversation isn't it Sarah?
2: Yeah it's surprising you know I guess not surprising but still surprising by how much that whole food versus fuel debate still exists in in the industry you know when it comes to the sustainability industry and folks that are trying to take advantage of these new uses it's but we have a lot of a great a lot of years of great data we can show you know no this hasn't this concern has not come to fruition as mm-hmm. chris said that we continue to have carry out every year like and because of the fractionation processes to separate that corn kernel efficiently it we're not creating these new uses at at you know by sacrificing other industries we can yeah. feed cattle we can feed pigs we can feed humans we can export we can fuel vehicles, we can fuel airplanes now, we can still do the plastics, it gets to be an and, and, and statement. It doesn't mean that we have to to compete. So it's really, I think that's really exciting, but yeah, we have a lot of data we try to share to dismiss um, and demystify that whole food well, versus feed. Yeah, well, and, yeah.
0: And, and Krista, to your point about ending stocks, and you know, we have you know the amount of corn we need to meet the 2030 goal right now, but I also wonder too, do we need to still try and plant a little bit more Potentially to ease that debate of food versus fuel. What do you think about that?
3: Not necessarily. If you look at I know that's been a concern, too, is is are we going to need more acres to meet these goals? If we look out, I mean, yield has been increasing over time. Um, Farmers are producing more with less. Um, you know, even last year where we had over 94 million corn acres, the highest uh, in some time, if we look back at the 1930s, we planted more corn acres then, um, you know, so so we are continuing, but we we have, you know, multiples in terms of production. Uh, you know, if we look ahead, I think we can have corn acres, uh, and, and like Sarah talked about, this isn't just the corn story, we have other commodities playing into this as well, but don't necessarily have to increase and we can still continue to produce more into the future because of those yield gains and 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 those improvements that we see that that help us to continue to increase productivity
0: and i know too not just corn itself but corn stover is another piece of the puzzle that could be a feedstock here right
2: Absolutely, you know that that's something that again, it, it's one piece of the puzzle. You know, the volumes and the um, efficiencies in that space haven't haven't been as clearly identified as something like corn ethanol. And, and we sure. know that there has been investment, of course, in, in corn stover and utilizing that pathway. But the technology is a lot more difficult, um, and 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 obviously the the infrastructure, the storage, the hauling. There are a lot of other you know associated costs, and even the sustainability factor isn't isn't quite hashed out all the way. So again, we really try to promote uh corn grained ethanol as that as that pathway or sorry corn grained to ethanol to alcohol to jet as that Definitely. pathway
0: yeah uh, krista any any final thoughts from you on that uh, in terms of just some of the different pieces of the puzzle here from from your economist standpoint real quick is there anything else you'd want to add to kind of wrap up this segment
3: um just you know I guess uh, since Sarah was talking about corn stover and and maybe that is a pathway for the future, but like Sarah pointed out, you know we we already have pathways in place when we talk about uh, grain to ethanol to jet, and when you think about some of the economics of corn stover and and just uh, logistics of that, that starts to get really complicated and really expensive really fast. And so while from the uh, maybe a sustainability point of view that seems like a, a good solution, when we start um, calculating that out. Uh, it doesn't pencil out as easily either. So that's another point to make.
0: Okay. All right. So some different pieces of the puzzle, like Mm -hmm. I said, some different things to to look at here. But, you know, again, I think I bring it back home to a lot of positivity in front of us here, Uh, a lot of opportunity for SAF for sure. And we're going to talk more about this coming up later in the program. We're going to continue our conversation with Sarah McKay and Krista Swanson from the National Corn Growers Association. Up next, I know Krista's going to stay with us. Ted Seifert from Zayner Ag Hedge is going to slide in, and we are going to talk markets. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the corn market and where that's sitting after ending its run higher this week. So we are going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk markets here on Market Talk, live from Commodity Classic on the way right after this.
5: paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney advertising. William Stepacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states.
0: Here's a look on. the markets wrapped up on Friday here on Market Talk. For the American Ag Network, I'm Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look and take a broad scope of the trade action that we got on Friday, the wheat markets really started lower and held that way as the money flow was not friendly to Chicago, KC, and Minneapolis wheat on the day on Friday. Kansas City wheat, in fact, the leader to the downside on Friday's session with double-digit losses in all three. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, soybeans ended up finishing the day moderately higher with strength in bean meal. Bean oil kind of clawed back towards the unchanged mark on the session. We were a bit stronger in the overnight session, uh, but then we kind of faded that able to get back some decent gains in price action on the day on Friday. Corn ended its uh, rally of up days though on the day Friday with slight losses seen to end the week here uh, a little bit above that $4 mark in the spot March contract, May, hanging around that 425 level as we wrapped up Friday's session. So Kind of a mixed bag in the grain trade overall. Fundamentals are still not great across many of these markets. Crude oil up almost $2 a barrel on the day, getting over that $80 a barrel mark. As many traders still watching the ongoing geopolitical risks and concerns in the Middle East and the Russia-Ukraine war. Weather looks to be relatively friendly for South America here through the weekend as Brazil's Safrida corn crop is going to get some showers over the weekend, and that could maybe give some delays in soybean harvest, but overall, things looking pretty good there. The Biden administration did delay their announcement of the GREET model to help out with sustainable aviation fuel and tax credits, so the industry was waiting to see that on Friday, but that did not come to fruition. It's going to be a few weeks of a delay. Livestock trade was strong on the session as well, with triple-digit gains in live and feeder cattle and in hog features as well. Let's look at how the market's closed on Friday here on Market Talk for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting.
6: Teachers are dynamic leaders, shaping a new generation. They bring a variety of perspectives from diverse backgrounds, innovating how they teach to prepare students for our fast changing world. Achieving this takes skill and expertise. They're tireless explorers creatively discovering a universe of solutions, telling stories, experimenting, inspiring, mentoring, connecting cultures and connecting with each other, leading by example. Experience the unique joy of helping students thrive. Teaching is a journey that shapes lives. Are you ready to begin? Explore teaching at teach.org. A CAMPAIGN SUPPORTED BY THE U.S. DEPARTMENT OF EDUCATION, TEACH.ORG, AND ONE MILLION TEACHERS OF COLOR.
7: KEEPING
1: YOU INFORMED WITH THE LATEST MARKET INFORMATION FOR YOUR OPERATION, THIS IS MARKET TALK. NOW BACK TO JESSE ALLEN.
0: And thanks for sticking with us here on Market Talk, broadcasting at Commodity Classic 2024 in Houston, Texas, with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association here today. Krista Swanson with NCGA is still with us here for our markets segment. Joining us here in Houston right now as well, Ted Seifrid with Zayner Ag Hedge. And I feel like this is becoming an annual thing mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Ted, that you break out the corn hat yes. for Market Talk at Commodity Classic, yes. buddy. You know, I...
8: <laughs> So it has become kind of an annual tradition for me. And and now doing the show with you is becoming an annual tradition, which I enjoy. And thank you for that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the corn hat barely made its debut this year. Uh, I I wasn't really feeling great about corn when I I got here. Uh, I had this hat and I had a cow hat. Mm -hmm. So I spent yesterday wearing the cow hat but now I no longer have the said cow hat. So, and we're sitting at the national corn growers association booth. So I figured, I figured it was a good time to break out the corn hat.
0: Well, I feel like in terms of this corn market, I know, you know, we got, we got below four on the board last Friday. We've rallied back a little bit. I know fundamentals really still haven't changed in these markets and you look at charts, but I mean, is there a little more optimism here in this corn market that maybe we're building a, a floor so to speak Uh, ted you start
8: well jesse this is the biggest bounce we've had in corn since the beginning of the calendar year that's uh i know we're we're two months into it but man you know and it didn't feel all that glorious right Mm -hmm. you hope for more Uh, i think if you can close above thursday's high, which is 432 in the may there's a good shot at 452 another 20 cents I don't really think fundamentals have changed enough to justify anything beyond that, but who knows? You know, you get the funds covering shorts, maybe it it carries through, I don't know. But I think from a producer perspective, perspective, I've been talking to a lot of guys that say, yeah, you know, I'm sitting on 60% old crop and I'm 0% sold on new crop. Well, if you get that additional 20 cents on top of what we saw this week, you gotta jump on that. Unless we're in the middle of an absolute terrible drought with the second season of corn crop, which in the moment, Jesse,
0: that's not looking likely. Yeah, no, it's not looking likely. Krista, your thoughts. I mean, do you think we're to some of what Ted said? I mean, do you think we're finding a floor here potentially, and maybe we've we put that low into this corn market right now?
3: Well, Ted's a, more of the expert than me on in terms of following uh, those charts as thoroughly as he does. But I mean, I think that I guess I'll say as you know. Thinking about our growers. I, I think we're hopeful that that is the case. Like Ted said, do we, do we know? Um, you know, we'll see what, what pans out here uh, in the, in the coming weeks. But I mean, I think that there's some signs that could be possible. A lot of eyes are on what's happening in Brazil and South America right now. Um, the Safrina corn crop has been planted very quickly. Um, I've, I've seen some reports that part of the reason that that's higher is because there's going to be fewer acres. So maybe, you know, that, that, uh, percent planted number is higher, but if it's out of a, a fewer number of acres. So, I mean, I think that there, there could be some positive signs there, but also we can't necessarily rely on that, uh, happening. So a lot left to be seen in, in, in that regard.
8: It's just, you know, I'm going to say it's a double-edged sword with the fast planting, Right we've seen in, in our history that generally when we plant fast not only does it give us a good shot at a, a pretty decent yield right but mm-hmm. also you get to plant as many acres as you can and then you, you find some extra acres so i think that's a concern mm-hmm. in the market that maybe we don't see that big reduction in brazilian second season corn crop acres um but then like i said double-edged sword go back to 2012 we plant we planted historically fast this that, that year and then what, right? So I think there should be a reason. It's the time of the year for a weather premium in corn for that second season corn crop. It's just a question of, you know, how much can we get on that? And and can mm-hmm. we really trigger the funds to get out of this record short position or, or at least a portion of it? Um, and on the way up, if there is a way up, how much producer selling really offsets? Is this just gonna be a change of hand of who's short the market? Uh, or, or or can there be some legs under this
0: yeah well and and thinking about this too you know i look at for instance this soy complex and the wheat complex and i think about getting ready for 2024 planting and the acreage discussion in the us and you know from both of your perspectives i mean Could some of these shifting dynamics, I felt like I've I've heard some questions from growers as to what they might plant here in 24 in the U.S. Could we see a big shift in acreage potentially? I I think that's on the table to some degree. What do you think, Ted? Yeah,
8: um, you know, I think I kind of felt the same way before coming here. Okay. But that being said, the conversations that I've been having for the last few days man, we have some really nice weather to get some work done to get ready for this this growing season. I I think it's going to afford for more corn acres than what may have been thought about a month or so ago. Uh, And, and, you know, the optimism is still there, Jesse. I mean, yes, we don't love the prices that we're at. We're worried about being under our break-evens. We're worried about that old crop. But I think most of the guys I talk to – who apparently don't listen to me, <laughs> are, are very optimistic that we might see five-hour corn again, in which case, you know, let's go, full bore. Um, that being said, I do think there should be an acreage shift towards soybeans. I don't think it'll be huge. I, I think you gain a, a million, a million and a half acres in beans. Uh, but I still think you're at a 92 and a half or a 93
0: in corn. Krista, what do you think? Do you, From what you're hearing from producers, do you think there could be a bit of an acreage shift here as we get set for 2024?
3: Yeah, my thoughts are kind of in line with what Ted has thrown out there. Um, I mean, another thing to keep in mind is not only are we having some of this great weather right now for some field work, but also last fall allowed for a lot of a field work to get done. And and I heard some reports, you know, especially in the Midwestern areas of the United States that record anhydrous applications, to me, that doesn't align with like a major reduction in in, in corn acres. And, you know, a lot of farmers, uh, you, you tend to hear when you talk to farmers, they, they tend to follow yes they pay attention to market dynamics to an extent but also the agronomic advantages and just general management advantages of of a rotation tend to uh you know also come into play and so yeah i i I think those things can't be overlooked and and another point i'll make when we're thinking about corn versus soybean uh Yeah. yeah is the fact that you know while soybeans you know may pencil out to a little bit better right now it's not like uh, the difference in, in potential profit margins there are, are uh, you know, way greater to where there's just this clear, clear shift.
0: Well, and I think too, it all comes back to demand, and part of, you know, Krista, what we're talking about here on the show today is, is, you know, the demand for sustainable aviation fuel, and you know, Ted, we've talked about just demand in general across commodities and, and how you know, we have to have that demand out there to help drive these markets, right? Yeah,
8: yeah. And, and you know, the, the thing for corn specifically has been, you know, we, we've we had good export sales, but up until very recently, the shipments have been very disappointing, uh, And that really breeds concerns that, you know, maybe a lot of those purchases that have come on the books more recently could eventually get canceled if that sophrenic corn crop is good. Maybe they're hedges against that crop. But the the last two weeks of corn shipments have been a lot more solid. So now I think that is one thing that you can kind of feel a little bit better in corn. I feel like that's part of the reason why we found some footing here this week. Uh, And if we can keep up with those good shipment weeks, I'm talking export inspections. Generally speaking, I'm, I'm a lot more focused on sales because you can't have shipments without sales. But at the moment for corn, I'm really watching the shipments, the export inspections number. That stays good. I, I do wonder if there is a little bit more of like we talked about
0: 452 May corn. That's that's got a big circle on the chart for me. How your thoughts, Krista? I mean, just that overall demand picture. Do you agree with Ted with some of those things that you're watching, or, or do you have another perspective on where demand kind of sits right now?
3: Yeah, no. Ted makes some good points um, that that the export inspections are are a key number. Um, I will say though, when we look at the sales, you know, we we this marketing year has been a lot stronger so far than than the past year, and I think we've seen some of those, um, you know, traditional or you know, some of those other buyers, some other countries coming coming in with some good uh, good purchases here in this marketing year that you know we hadn't had as much if we look back over the past year. Um, so seeing some diversification versus uh, China as 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 you know the largest and and primary. So I think that you know we talked about diversification not just of markets in general and and the, the need for more domestic demand but also among the different export buyers in the world market is important too.
8: Yeah, and we yeah. need those extra buyers because you know if you look at what China's done they've really shifted their corn business to Brazil. They've they've mm-hmm. they've, they've imported more than 20 million metric tons of Brazilian corn so far this marketing year. China is has imported a record amount of corn so far this marketing year but again from Brazil our exports to China are a little bit over 8,000 metric tons or I'm sorry 8 million metric tons compared to the 23 million metric, uh, metric tons they were 2 years ago. So we need these outside it, demand displacement right. Yeah. We need other countries to be coming in for bigger shares or 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 more. To help offset that loss of Chinese business due, due to the Brazil business. Very true. Very true.
0: It's thirty seconds ish. Mm. Uh, I think it's just important to be a smart marketer in this window, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Jesse. Hope is not a strategy, and everything we've talked
8: about here in the last you know twenty minutes is you know I hope to see four fifty two corn. I hope to see uh, uh, May corn. I hope to see something just just under five dollar december corn i think there are chances for these things i think a a number of things would have to really line up for that to happen but you can't just expect it right so you have to be doing things you have to be aggressive with your marketing uh, right now i mean synthetic puts has been sort of my key phrase here recently which means you sell cash and then you own a call, a fairly inexpensive call, so that you can participate participate in upside potential, if yeah. it happens, Jesse. But you have the downside locked in. You are no longer worried about how low corn can go because that is taken care of. And then you can sleep at night.
0: Definitely. Ted, thanks for jumping in here and uh, talking markets at Commodity Classic. Always good to see you, buddy. Man, always a pleasure. Love doing the show, especially live with you and also wearing a corn hat. Definitely. Corn Hat, Ted Seifert with Sater Ag has joined us. And Krista Swanson with the corn growers as well. And Krista's going to stick with us. We'll be back with more talking SAF here on Market Talk from Commodity Classic right after this.
7: Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting at homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal.
9: You can't escape a traffic jam. Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. Ah! No! And you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Oh, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life, but you can escape pre-diabetes. Pre-diabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of pre-diabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head, but you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Heading to Commodity Classic?
4: Stop by the National Corn Growers Association booth, 7405, for some great live radio. Host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting market talk from two to three. Thursday, they'll be discussing how U.S. Meat Export Federation, U.S. Poultry and Egg Export Council, U.S. Grains Council, and the National Corn Growers Association work together to competitively position American product as the premier choice. On Friday, they explore new market opportunities for corn growers, like sustainable aviation fuel. Wheat growers of the North, it's time to push performance to answer the call of Westbred Wheat. With regionally proven varieties like WB9590 and WB9479 with high protein, yield potential, and standability. Trust Westbred Wheat to help you get the most out of every acre. Now's the time. Boldly grow. Seize the season with Westbred Wheat. Performance may vary. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
10: Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted card to Patriotic Hearts, You'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted car. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch
1: our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com/atmarkettalkegg and hit the subscribe button or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube.
4: Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen.
0: And continuing our program here with the National Corn Growers Association at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. Jesse Allen back with you here on Market Talk. Sarah McCary joins us with the National Corn Growers Association. Krista Swanson remains with us as well here as we are getting back to our SAF conversation and, uh, and kind of wrapping things up here when talking sustainable aviation fuel. And uh, let's talk just kind of from a a policy outlook and some of the, the barriers and what do we need to do here, Sarah, you know, kind of talk about that. I mentioned at the beginning of the show with just, you know, we're waiting on the decision here on the Greet model and things like that. So, I mean, what are some of the things that are in front of us here to really advance corn ethanol for sustainable aviation fuel?
2: Yeah, so when we think about some of the barriers to making sustainable aviation fuel from corn, um, a reality is, is you know, in the policy sector, which we'll we'll talk about first, then we'll jump into the sustainability stuff, and then really that industry engagement around and advocacy and and education, right? Mm-hmm. So on the policy side, you know, as you mentioned earlier around the GREAT model and and the announcement around you know decision and further information on that, it's really important that we get that GREAT model right and that um, we get some that consistent and um, accurate you know accounting methodology because that's going to be really important for corn ethanol specifically and and our other ag feedstocks to really to qualify and meet those goals. Um, on the sustainability side, of course, you know, we're working to make sure that our growers um, can demonstrate, you know, their continued um, reduction in their their carbon intensity scores because you have to meet that 50% reduction target that's required for SAF and being able to demonstrate that mm-hmm. will be really important and, and even exceed that goal.
0: Yeah. And, and too, I think as well with the education side, I think just making sure that everyone knows and understands the potential that's out there and advocating for that potential is, to your point earlier, it's kind of the other piece of the puzzle here.
2: Yeah, and I think there'll need to be, you know, a lot of uh, progress, you know, continued to be made and also communicated about the progress to date on farm, but also a lot of investment on, on the infrastructure and even at the f- facility side, you know, when they're producing the ethanol that then goes into sustainable aviation fuel in the, in the SAF itself, there's going to need um, so not only the adoption of those, those on-farm practices, but also investment in additional technology to help lower the, the CI score of corn ethanol. Yeah.
0: And, and Krista, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, just that like I, I, I love the term the economic sustainability, not only the, you know, the environmental sustainability aspect of what our corn growers are doing here to reach some of these SAF goals, but just the economics of it. I mean, talk about that as, as kind of some final thoughts as we are really looking at that aspect of you know what potential we have here with SAF. I mean, what do corn farmers really need to think about and consider here when it comes to the economics of this?
3: Well, there's kind of two sides of this, I would say. So, first of all, there's the side we, we've talked a lot throughout this this whole uh, show today about the importance of diversified demand. And so, when we have a demand potential demand source like this, and we think about what that can mean in terms of the markets, and we, we've also talked about where prices are right now, and 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 that you know improved demand uh, and, and certainly a new demand source like this could help improve prices for farmers. The other side of this is that, uh, you know, we, Sarah was just talking about those carbon intensity scores and, you know, what is needed to, to meet the, uh, thresholds that are set for some of the incentives, uh, you know, Farmers, we're already seeing programs that work with farmers to calculate your farm-level carbon intensity score, and you know there's there's uh, going to be opportunities too, I believe, for farmers to be able to, you know, capture maybe an extra premium uh, for for that. So I think there's definitely economic, um, you know, economics that that support this and provide some new opportunities and, and better prices for farmers.
0: Well, I think too, Krista, you know, thinking about just, you know, the farm economy and where things are and, you know, still good numbers, even though we're maybe off of some of the, uh, you know, the recent record numbers we've had, but thinking about the farm gates and, and really, you know, for corn farmers specifically, just everything that goes into this, you know, feeding and fueling our world, uh, Again, there's just a lot of opportunity if we if we really are just are smart about things and do what needs to be done, right?
3: For sure, definitely a lot of opportunity. Uh, corn farmers they want to plant corn, and, and we, we re- reiterate this point again. We continually produce more with less. Uh, there are opportunities out there, and we just need uh, you know the right policy environment to continue to to support that.
0: Sarah, final thoughts uh, from you as well here as we kind of wrap up this whole conversation on SAF. I mean, what do you really want folks to kind of take home the things that NCGA are doing to advocate for corn as a feedstock, for sustainable aviation fuel, et cetera? What would you really drive home to folks?
2: I'll just add in some color around, you know, what we're doing on really that advocacy and engagement with the industry and, and that piece, you know, we've developed a lot of good relationships with the various airlines, both that serve domestically and, and internationally, because SAF is going to be used in, in a variety of markets, and that's something that helping those folks in the fuel, aviation fuel supply chain understand what's happening on on your farm and, and the work that you're doing to continue with the sustainability efforts, but also to make that commercially available corn ethanol to jet out, you know, that corn ethanol to jet up as a realistic pathway is really important. So that's a lot of the work that we're doing, you know, across the sustainability policy and the advocacy side. That's really important to make this a reality, and and I would just add, you know, to to Krista's earlier you know point about the importance of a diversified markets. You know, this is SAF is just one of the many new uses that we're that yeah. we're chasing after, and really, it's the silver buckshot approach that we we kind of say it's not necessarily going to be a silver bullet. It's all this variety of uses, whether it's bio based plastics, you know, continued demand for with with our traditional demand customers, but also really finding that new and novel use for corn and SAF and beyond is is a lot of the ways that we're leveraging checkoff dollars to to make that happen.
0: A lot of opportunity when it comes to sustainable aviation fuel. Really appreciate the discussion. Krista, thanks for joining us uh, remotely and uh, wish you could have been here with us in Houston, but appreciate you being on the show with us today. Thanks so much.
3: Yep. Thank you.
0: And Sarah, thank you as well for joining me here, keeping me company in Houston today. Always good to catch up with you and, and talk about corn. Appreciate Always a it. pleasure. Thank you. Sarah McKay and Krista Swanson with the National Corn Growers Association. We're out of time here on Market Talk at Commodity Classic, wrapping up another Commodity Classic, this time in Houston, Texas. And we appreciate you joining us for the conversation. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Market Talk.